for some reason, the lock of the Jewish people, the muzzle of the Jewish people is that in every conflict in the world, they have to be in the middle. <laughs> it's a fight in Ukraine and Russia. Naftali Bennett, the Prime Minister of Israel, has to run there and try to make peace, to, to work out a deal between them. Everywhere, and there is, and it's, there is Jews from all sides. From this side, I mean, the Prime Minister of Ukraine is a Jew. The head of the separatist in Dumbaz is a Jew, too. Koifman. Really? Yes. And all, all Putin's friends are Jews. Basically, wherever you touch, there is Jewish. But this is not the only time it happened. You know, 30 years ago, there was another conflict. A big country invaded a small country by the, with the accusation that it belongs to them in the Middle East. Iraq. Saddam Hussein took over Kuwait, exactly. It was in August of 1990, August 2nd, I think. In 48 hours, he took over the country. The prime minister, whatever of Kuwait, the ruler of Kuwait, ran away to Saudi and they arrested 600 people that they were never seen again. Gone from the face of the earth. And the whole world was up in a war. I mean, Bush, George Bush, the father, senior, um, put together a coalition of 34 countries to fight Iraq. And the UN gave them an ultimatum that if have, until the, um, January 15 of 1991, they are not leaving the country, they will, they will take all measures to force them into it. Mm-hmm. The world got very scared. You know, America assembled an army close to a million soldiers. I never knew it's so big. A million soldiers, 950, 600, ridiculous amount of people to fight it. But what Saddam Hussein says, he's not afraid, he's not giving in. You know what he said? He took Israel as a hostage. Mm-hmm. He says, if you attack me, I will attack Israel with Mitzkat missiles. Mm-hmm. What does Israel have to do with that? He connected Israel to this whole fight. A war between Iraq and Kuwait. And Israelis got very scared because Saddam Hussein used in the Iran-Iraq war, he used uh, chemical weapons. Then they were afraid they'll use the same thing here. Everybody was afraid. The Jewish world, Israelis for sure. The only voice in the world who said that nothing will happen was the Lubavitcher Rebbe. The Rebbe said that nothing is going to happen. Israel is the surest place in the world, the safest place. Why? Because it's written in the Torah that the eyes of God are in this place from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. That's what I said. My father-in-law, Rabbi Alevsky, took Michael Siegel. Michael Siegel was the head of the Israel, Israel bands in America. He took him to see the Rebbe. Right after, in August, or maybe two weeks later, he asked the Rebbe, how should I convince people to invest in Israel? because now it's all the turmoil. The Rebbe told them, tell them that's one of the most surest place in the globe. If the, the best place to invest is in Israel. One of the best places to invest, that's what the Rebbe told them. And that's what the Rebbe's attitude was all the time. He told people who wanted, wanted to move their weddings from Israel back to America, or should I send kids to Israel to learn school? The Rebbe says, don't worry, everything will be good. But as the, as the ultimatum did get closer and closer, and negotiation didn't work, 
everybody was more scared and more, and more, and more, uh, and more stressed about it. January 17, the war broke out. The second night, missiles fell on Israel. Mm-hmm. He sent six missiles. You know, Israel, before the war, gave out the gas masks mm-hmm. that people should be careful if it's going to be a gas attack. The whole crazy was about a gas attack. They close out, close the windows, now to do this, now to do this. And the coalition was with the deal that Israel doesn't fight, doesn't get involved in the war. Because it will break the coalition because there is many countries who are Arab countries. Arab countries who are against Israel. They cannot be in a war that Israel is involved on the Israeli side. Mm-hmm. Then Bush said, don't just sit quiet. We will take care of everything. Mm-hmm. That's an amazing thing that the world is fighting for Israel. Never, never before was such a thing. That non-Jews will fight to protect Jews. And the first missile, the first time, the first, the, that night... Three missiles fell in Tel Aviv, two, one in Haifa and two in the sea. The three missiles in Tel Aviv fell in dense, in dense areas. And one of them was literally in a very dense place. The building was destroyed. People came out with scratches. Nothing happened. The same night, four women died from suffocation from the masks. Many, many people died from it, from heart attack, from running, oh, from yeah. this. But this, the first night, four people died from the mask. Over, over 40 days, 39 missiles fell, fell in Israel. Nobody was killed from a missile. They died, 95 people died from other things. People were injured, but nobody was killed. There was a little girl with the name Bat El. She was injured very bad, three years old girl. She was flown to England to try to help her with, I think, with eye surgery and things like this. She had an unbelievable, a miraculous recovery. The newspapers in England, she became the symbol of the war in Israel, from the war in Israel. Mm-hmm. And, the, and there was an uh, uh, headline, a little girl that God is on your side. After the war came out a story, that one of the missiles fell right on the biggest guest line in Tel Aviv. Two days before that, it was some type of problem in the gas line. They had to shut it down for, for fixing it, for, for maintenance. For maintenance. You cannot, the guy, the, one of the Israeli um, generals said, it could burn Tel Aviv. It's from God, that's unbelievable. They didn't close it because they were thinking maybe it's a good idea to close it. They closed it. Because of maintenance. So the, the missile landed on the gas line? Right, like a, a feet away or a foot and a half away from the gas line. Can you imagine blow up in... Yeah, yeah. It's a, like there were unbelievable miracles. Then it was an, an Israeli, it was a, a Chabad Chosid, an American, was a, is a chaplain in the American army. He came to the Rebbe to get a blessing. He says, I'm going to Kuwait and I need a blessing to... And I'm taking with me a Megillah. It was February. The Rebbe told him, you sure you're going to Kuwait? You sure you're going? He said, yeah. I know already. When the Rebbe asked you, you sure you're going? You're going nowhere. But he thought he's going. The Rebbe told him, no, until then, you Moshiach will come. So to speak, until Purim. Mm-hmm. He walked out. Somehow, somebody understood it, that the Rebbe said that the war would be over on Purim. Before long, it was all over the newspapers in Israel. The Babichi Rebbe said the war would be over on Purim. The secretary walks in with a headline, says the Rebbe, the, saying the Rebbe said, the Rebbe said, I said it? 
Then the Rebbe said, no, kind of let it be. The war was over on Poland. The war was over on Poland. It's all, whatever I told you now. Yes. And whatever I'm telling you now is documented on videos, and the newspaper, everything. Everything is there. Like an unbelievable story. The question is, why we have to be in the middle of everything? Why is God doing it to us? I fight it in Kuwait, Iraqi Kuwait. I fight it in Russia and Ukraine. What are the Jews? How is the Jews are in the middle of everything? Celebrating Purim this week, right? Purim, what is Purim? What the word Purim means? Purim means a lottery. Which lottery? Amen, when he decided, he wanted to decide what's the day, what's the good day to destroy the Jewish people, he drew a lottery. Which month, which day? And it's a word lottery, not in Hebrew, in Persian. Really? Pur is in Persian lottery. And it sounds like in Hebrew, in the Megillah, it says Pur ua Goral. The Goral is in Hebrew. What a strange name for holiday. You know, every holiday is named after the miracle. Let's take Pesach. God passed over the houses and didn't kill the Jewish. Or, or about the, the Sukkot. God put us in Sukkot, in, in, in the arts, in the desert. Therefore, we... Shavuos is after the mitzvah. God told us to... Shavuah comes to the world a week. It's a week. God told us to count seven weeks between Pesach and Shavuos, right? 49 days. The counting of the Omer. Mm-hmm. Therefore, we call it Shavuos. Yep. Rosh Hashanah. Why it's called Rosh Hashanah? Rosh Hashanah means the end of the year, the beginning of the year. Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, Kippur means atonement. The day of atonement. Okay. Hanukkah, right? What Hanukkah stands for? Rededicating the temple. The name of the holiday is about something positive or about the mitzvah. You're giving a name of a holiday what, what Amen made a lottery what day to kill the Jews? Mm-hmm. Couldn't find a better name? You can call it the Shalachmones, call it Omentashen, I don't care what. what. Mm-hmm. The Rebbe said something very interesting. That's a question that the Rebbe was asking. The Rebbe says, the name of the holiday is what it's all about. Purim is about a lottery. What means a lottery? What is a lottery? A lottery is when I want to do something. I want to give something, there's five people per I don't know what to give it. I said, I'm not going to decide. I leave it up for God. There's a book in the thing in Ecclesiastic or in, uh, um, one of the other books, Proverbs. It's written there that you make, you, you make a lottery, but the ruling is by God. You leave it up to God. That's what a lottery is. A lottery says that our, the message of the holiday, of the name of the holiday is to tell us that the, 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 the destiny of the Jewish people is like a lottery. It's up to God. It's above logic. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense. Tell me, Amen wants to kill... Mordechai didn't bow down to you. Fine, kill him. Don't you have to kill every Jew. Many of the Jews are very good friends of Amen, and they will bow down to him very nicely. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense. It's, it's beneath logic. Mm-hmm. And the survival of the Jewish people is above logic. We all know that. That we are still around after all the stories. Then the name Purim, Mordechai and Esther chose the name in Aramaic, in a Persian, to tell the Jews who don't speak Hebrew, to tell the non-Jewish world, it's Purim. 
It's about the destiny. It's about a lottery. It's above your logic. It doesn't make sense. The whole creation of the, the whole, everything that's about the Jewish people, is, is, it doesn't, doesn't make sense. And that's, what, that's really what the, what, the, what the message, there is no rationale to it. There is no, you know, nobody asks us to be, to be born Jewish. Right. Anybody interviewed me? And, and what do you think when you want to be born? Then a person says, oh, I don't want to be Jewish. You, you, couldn't, you can say you don't want to be Jewish until tomorrow morning. You can go to any religion you want 50 times. Nothing will help you. You're Jewish. You're a Jew. That's what the name Mot Purim wants to tell us. What the Mot Purim wants to say that we are, and it's paid purposely in, in, in Persian, that everybody understands that. This nation doesn't exist in a natural logic, a logical explanation. And therefore, it also means to us, when we try to do a mitzvah, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't have to make sense. The whole existence of us doesn't make sense. May Hashem help us that this war will also end in Purim. God willing.